Earlier this season, we were blessed with LSU facing off against Florida State in a neutral site top 10 matchup. The following week, we were once again graced with a top 10 matchup in Tuscaloosa between Texas and Alabama. Then, the Red River shootout-Red River rivalry occurred between Oklahoma and Texas. That wasn't a top 10 game at the time, but now it's safe to assume that both of those teams are top 10 teams. And last week, we had Oregon facing off on the road against Washington. And in my mind, those are two top five teams. Well, here we are in week eight, and we have what, in my opinion, is a top 10 and has the potential to be looked back upon as a top four matchup. Josh Pate, for example, in the preseason picked Penn State to go 11-1, Ohio State to go 13-0 and win the Big Ten, and for Michigan to go 10-2. And And there is a possibility of that. There's a chance that these teams are the two best teams in the Big Ten, and that they are top four teams nationally and both college football playoff contenders. There is a chance at that. What I want to talk about today before my preview video drops tomorrow, is just some statistics, a variety of them, a plethora of them, that I observed, that I wrote down, that I will present to you all, along with the identities of these two football teams. I want to give you guys information, try and inform you, also talk and talk more about this game than I would typically of any other game, and I'm going to do something similar, if not be even more articulate and in-depth when the game between Michigan and Ohio State comes around, especially if it is an 11-0, 11-0 matchup for the Big Ten East and consequentially the entire Big Ten. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and before we begin, please comment your thoughts on this game down below. Your score prediction any predictions for Drew Aller, Kyle McCord, predictions for what happens to both of these teams after this colossal matchup, and any other thoughts or analysis you have. Comment that down below and let's have a conversation. Also, like this video and hit that big red subscribe button and join this awesome community if you haven't already. I pride this channel on being the best Big Ten football channel on YouTube, and I, along with you, I know want to make this channel even better, and we can do that by reaching 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season. That would be awesome. I think it's totally possible, so if you can, share this video around, or at the very least, encourage friends, family, people who you know that love college football to subscribe to this channel. And lastly, part of the reason why my official preview and prediction video didn't drop today is because I haven't finished Potential Power yet. Um, it's a very long process to go through and you know work with all the different inputs and make sure everything's correct. So I apologize that it's taken so long, but I release Potential Power ratings every week, at least a day or a few days, hopefully this week, before the games begin, and Potential Power gives its own predictions, factoring in home field advantage for a 
variety of different matchups. So if you want to get my power rankings input on all of this, tomorrow morning I will also post how it performed in week 7. Please check out my Patreon channel. That's another great way for you to support the channel. I know that some of you super chat me when I go live. A better way of supporting the channel is getting a Patreon membership because Patreon only takes about 13 to 15% of your donations. Meanwhile, YouTube takes around, you know, anywhere from 45 to I think 55% of your donations. So thank you for listening. I am going to shut up about that stuff and move on into Penn State versus Ohio State. So this game between these two top three, certainly, Big Ten football teams is going to take place at noon this Saturday, October 21st. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt will be calling this game. Something that I want to talk about here for a few minutes is the feel about this game, some of the matchups, and then what we'll do is we'll get into, you know, the different teams, talk about them and break them down. Something that's really fascinating about this matchup, in my opinion, is the fact that 75, more specifically 74% of public bettors are picking Penn State to cover a four and a half point spread. This is according to Action Network. And on ESPN, the spread is Ohio State minus four. It opened up this week at five and a half. It's moved down one and a half points in favor of Penn State. And it's moved down one point in favor of Penn State via Action Network. That is, that's that's the spread. The money line's about 50-50, and obviously Penn State being a road underdog means that you get more for what you bet when you bet on Penn State winning. So the public, the general public's view is that this is going to be a tight game in which Penn State has a very good chance of winning. That's the public perception of this matchup. And from what I can tell, if this was a neutral site game, the public perception would be that James Franklin would earn his first win over Ohio State since 2016. If this was a neutral site game, I would imagine that Penn State, by even Vegas, might be straight up favored if this game was in Beaver Stadium like it was last year. Um, So I find that fascinating. FPI, on the other hand, and my own potential power rankings, they're not finished yet, but I can pretty much guarantee you Ohio State would be is going to be favored in this game by potential power, and by FPI, they're given a 63.5% chance to win this game. So the analytics in power ratings, not the analytics overall, but just looking at power rankings and analytics being combined with recruiting rankings— prior numbers, head coach reputation, quarterback play is typically big in most power rankings, although still a large impact in my power ranking, not as big. That's something that I made purposeful. Um, That favors Ohio State. Public perception and then taking the numbers as they are on their own slightly leans Penn State, and and we'll see that when we break down both of these teams individually. Um, Penn State is pretty, they're significantly ahead of Ohio State in raw numbers when it comes to a lot of defensive metrics, but I do have some explanations in defense of Ohio State on that part. 
mainly strength of schedule. Offensively, Ohio State is favored by, you know, the offensive metrics that I think matter. But then again, I think there's an argument for Penn State in the sense that they've been more efficient offensively, specifically in the red zone. So this game is going to be very fascinating. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt calling it, in my mind, makes it even better. Ohio State currently puts 443 yards per game on the ground and through the air on offense. Penn State puts down 426.7. Here's a remarkable difference, though. Defensively, Penn State only allows 193.7 yards per game. Ohio State, meanwhile, allows 263.5 yards per game. And there's a bigger discrepancy between the rush yards per game allowed and the pass yards per game allowed. Penn State allows 121.2 pass yards per game. Ohio State allows 154.3 pass yards per game. That is a difference of 33.1. In the ground game, Penn State only allows 72.5 rushing yards per game. Ohio State, 109.2. Now, that's more than 33. I'm trying to do, you know, quick math in my head. It's 27. Uh, yeah, 27.5 is 100 minus 72.5. So 27.5. And then you add, you add 9.2 to that. And that's closer to 40 than it is to 30, just because I don't want to bore you too much with me struggling to calculate in my head. Um, anyway, I think that's fascinating because I think that Ohio State defensively has played teams that are capable of especially generating big plays through the air. Whether this is Maryland, whether this is Purdue with Hudson Card and Deion Burks, or Notre Dame. Notre Dame, before Ohio State played them, they had a great rushing offense, but they were getting tons of chunk plays through the air with Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, and with Sam Hartman just flinging it all around the field, flinging the ball all around the field. Ohio State's also played Western Kentucky. I mean, they have played teams that like to pass a lot more than Northwestern, Iowa, Illinois, UMass, and West Virginia. Um, Iowa, Illinois, I think earlier in the season, and especially West Virginia, are run-heavy teams. So the discrepancy in pass defense makes sense. For run defense, it's a different story. Maryland and Notre Dame... I think of a better offensive line and run game than any offense outside of maybe West Virginia that Penn State has faced. However, Iowa likes to run the football, and I know that Caleb Johnson was hurt when the whiteout game was played, but Iowa still has capable offensive linemen. LaShawn Williams was starting at running back, and he's had success against Wisconsin, against Western Michigan. Uh, Penn State shut him down. Illinois, they've had some concerns with health with you know, Reggie Love III and Luke Altmeyer. He hasn't been running as much as I think he should be. But regardless, I think that there's more parity between the rushing offenses that both of these defenses have faced rather than the parity between the passing offenses that these defenses have faced. So Ohio State is one, still one of the best teams in the country in rush yards allowed per carry, but for a team that I think has the much better defensive tackles, and I thought at least in the preseason the much better run defense, 
I think Penn State's running defense has changed compared to last year, but we'll see about that because this Saturday is going to tell us a lot. I want to talk about Penn State and then talk about the Buckeyes, but to break down Penn State for a few minutes here, they thrive off of their elite defense, whether they force turnovers, whether they create sacks, force punts, whether, I mean, their defense is a do-it-all defense. Right now, it's first in the country in efficiency, according to ESPN. Ohio State is, I think, 10th there. Michigan is second, and there's a, a, a sizable gap between the Wolverines and Penn State in favor of the Nittany Lions when it comes to defensive efficiency, but Michigan's still the very clear number two. So this defense is respected nationally in that regard, and it's respected by me. I still have some questions about their interior t- tackle play defensively, but it's much better than I expected it to be in the preseason. And at defensive end, linebacker, they've been excelling. Secondary's been doing well. Really in the preseason, I thought Penn State's defense outside of defensive tackle was some of the best talent that you could have on the field. Period. Amen. And Manny Diaz has impressed me as a coordinator this season. And defensively, looking at you know how many sacks Penn State has this season, 27 sacks, 17 passes defended, 7 interceptions, 6 forced fumbles, and 6 fumble recoveries. And Zane Durant and Koziah Izard, those are two defensive tackles, each have two sacks or more. That's, that's rare amongst defensive tackles. Even the defensive tackles are getting pressure. They're getting stops on the run. West Virginia was able to lean on Penn State at times in the ground game. Same with Illinois. But Iowa couldn't do anything on the ground against Penn State. Delaware had one long run, but I equate that more to Manny Diaz being sometimes overly aggressive, too much for his own good like Dan Lanning, rather than you know, player weaknesses or roster holes. Um, And obviously UMass couldn't do anything against Penn State. And Northwestern and Illinois, especially later in the game, they struggled to move the ball on the ground as well. So this defense really excels. And then what helps is the offense doesn't turn over the football, but the defense forces tons of turnovers. I already mentioned seven interceptions, six fumble recoveries, That's 13 forced turnovers in six games. Penn State averages two turnovers forced per game defensively. That's very impressive. Um, And then you combine that looking at their defense. They're tied first along with James Madison, who was a ridiculously efficient defense in sacks per game with almost five. Their average passer rating allowed is an 80.73, which that is a wide margin in favor of the Nittany Lions compared to the number two and number three teams in that category, which are Duke and Ohio State, who aren't even separated by a whole point there. Opponent points per play, Penn State is second behind Michigan. They allow 0.128 points per play, second nationally. And in yards per play, they're first, only allowing 3.2 yards per play. I mean, this defense is among the best of the best. Their secondary is I think it's between Penn State and Ohio State right now for who has the best secondary in the Big Ten. They can contend on that same level nationally. Um, and for you know Michigan fans who are watching this and 
even for myself, Michigan has the potential to be the best secondary in college football. I predicted them to be in the preseason. However, Rod Moore, he wasn't healthy earlier in the season. Same with Will Johnson. And Michigan has allowed some big plays, particularly through the air, that I haven't seen Penn State and Ohio State allow. So objectively, I think that Penn State and Ohio State are battling for the best secondary in the Big Ten. And Saturday will play a part in that decision. I mean, defensively, I can't cannot say enough about Penn State. We could talk about them all day. Abdul Carter, elite player. Kalen King, elite player. Dominic DeLuca has been a guy that stepped up with a pick six, two forced fumbles, three passes defended in a sack. Adisa Isaac has five sacks with 12 total tackles and a fumble recovery. And Daquan Hardy, what he did against UMass was impressive. I mean, he has two interceptions on the season. Against UMass, he had two passes deflected and one solo tackle. He had two punt returns for touchdowns against UMass. I mean, 5'9", 181, speedy player, veteran player. Uh, It's um, awesome to have a player like Daquan Hardy on your team. And then Johnny Dixon at corner has an interception, two passes deflected. Um, Kalen King, only one pass deflected, 11 total tackles. He's so good that opposing offenses are not targeting him. That's how good of a player he is. I mean, this defense, very legit. And Ohio State, as we'll talk about later, we don't know if their run game, specifically their interior run game, is good enough or if it will be utilized enough to truly test Penn State's interior D-line. We might have to wait until the Michigan game or the Maryland game to see how their D-line holds up, but most likely the Michigan game. Penn State's strength is, again, their defense. Their special teams play is improving. Ever since they had kicking woes against West Virginia, Penn State has been starting Alex Falcons at kicker. 29 extra points made out of 29 attempts. He's 7 of 9 on field goals, completing almost 80% of his field goal attempts. His long is of 47. He's 4 of 4 from 20 to 29 and 3 of 4 from 40 to 49. He had an attempt that was longer than 50, but it was blocked by Jerzon Newton against Illinois. Penn State special teams that after the first game was rated as one of the worst in the country by ESPN efficiency. Right now it's in the top 40. So Penn State special teams with Riley Thompson at punter, with Alex Felkins at kicker, you know, finding Daquan Hardy as a player who can return punts. They're figuring things out there. I think that's now a strength of Penn State. A weakness of this team's is they have no offensive upside. None. The, the points per play margin, the yards per point margin, which are top three, Michigan is won by a large margin in both of those, and I think that's part of the reason why they're the best team in college football. They're just that dominant. Ohio State's actually, as we'll see, lower. Um, They're around top five, top ten in those areas, but strength of schedule, I think, can play a factor. Michigan and Penn State, fun fact, have very comparable strengths of schedules. Ohio State is an outlier there. They have a much better strength of schedule than either the Nittany Lions or Wolverines. But regardless, a lot of that margin is due to the defense. Because offensively, Penn State, 12th in points per play. That factors in defense, but not as well as points per play margin does. They're 12th, scoring 0.54 points per play. However, looking at total offense, not scoring offense, 
total offense. Their yards per play is 5.4. That's 73rd nationally. There is no explosive plays. They move the ball four, five, six, seven yards down the field. They cannot move the ball or struggle to move the ball 10 or more yards down the field at a time. And they have inconsistencies at quarterback and wide receiver. And I would say the ground game as well. Um, but I think that Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton are at least proven. See last year and also see this year when they've been handed the ball off and been stuffed by opposing D-lines and they eventually break through and bruise opposing defenses. Penn State is rushing for over 200 yards per game, which is surprising. And what's frightening about that is not just that this team can, through those 200 yards, is proving that they can break opposing defenses and out-physical them. What is a concern for Penn State is the fact that those are 200 yards on short gains against defenses that either don't matter, or in the case of Iowa's, Iowa's defense got stuck with several short fields, their offense was inept, their special teams was even inept. Iowa had a muffed punt. So Penn State hasn't they haven't faced defenses that really can test them outside of Iowa's, and Iowa doesn't have an offense. Their defensive depth and talent is limited compared to an Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, or Penn State, who has more four- and five-star talent. And all in all, despite having a weak strength of schedule, this offense has struggled, especially, especially in the passing game. Penn State nearly rushes for as many yards as they do pass, and... You know, they, you know, Penn State is Drew Aller. They, in my opinion, have a better pass-blocking O-line than a run-blocking O-line. And yet, because of inconsistencies at quarterback and lack of depth at wide receiver, you're seeing the run game, part of this is Penn State's identity, of course, taking over. But for Penn State, elite defense, they don't turn it over on offense. I think they've only turned it over twice on offense, both fumbles. Aller has not thrown a pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't throw a pick against Ohio State, though there will be more on that conversation, of course, tomorrow. Elite defense, great special teams play, an offense that I would say is average or good, but then again, they have had several inconsistencies and struggles. We just don't know enough yet about the offense. We'll learn a lot about the offense on Saturday. I'm confident we already know that this defense is elite. When talking about Ohio State, they're a second-half team. Now, Penn State also strikes me as a second-half team, but in a different sense. Penn State is a second-half team not because they flip a switch as the game goes on, but because they wear down and break their opponents. That's what they've done. They struggle against Northwestern. They struggled at times against Iowa, Illinois, West Virginia, but they eventually, with their talent advantage, with their scheme, their run game, and their death-by-a-thousand-paper-cuts style of offense, they broke opposing defenses. Ohio State flips a switch offensively. They get in rhythm after starting off very slow, and they function best when their defense doesn't allow points too many. They allowed 17 points to Maryland in the first 40, 45, 35 minutes of the game, and the offense was still fine. As long as the defense is steady, generates some turnovers against Maryland, they even generated a whole touchdown 
to keep Ohio State from falling behind by double digits, then the offense eventually will hum, or maybe not hum, but they'll get big plays, they'll get yards, they'll get at least, they'll move between the 20s and begin to put drives together. When you look at Ohio State, they also have one of the country's best defenses. We talked about Penn State and the strengths and weaknesses of them. We look at Ohio State, and defensively, they're extremely impressive. Their average passer rating allowed is a 96.78. Now, that's much higher than Penn State's is, but you cannot tell me that Penn State has faced a quarterback that is as good as Talia Tagovailoa or Sam Hartman, or that Penn State has faced a wide receiver core that is as good as Purdue's, Maryland's, Notre Dame's. Uh, Penn State has they faced Illinois' wide receiver core. Um, Illinois might be better than Purdue's, and in fact, when I think about it, they probably are, but Purdue has a much better quarterback than Illinois does. You know, Hudson Card is actually a good average quarterback. Everyone else in the Big Ten West is anywhere from hot garbage and needs to be taken out before the dirty bomb goes off to just straight up bad and distasteful. That's the range. It's very small, not encouraging if you're a Big Ten West team. Hudson Card's actually a decent quarterback. I mean, Ohio State has faced passing offenses like Western Kentucky, Notre Dame, Maryland, Purdue. Four teams in a row that have an argument of having an either better or more consistent passing attack than any team Penn State has faced all season long. So from my perspective, this is just my perspective, you know, take the facts, the statistics that I'm displaying on the left, just take them by yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. By strength of schedule, I would argue that Ohio State has been the more efficient pass defense when it, when, when it comes to their secondary. They've faced much better quarterbacks, much better wide receiver cores, offenses that love to throw, and they've been nothing but elite, especially Denzel Burke, especially Josh Proctor. And then their opponent points per play, 0.148, that's fourth. And opponent yards per play is 3.9, which is second. Michigan, by the way, is third. So Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, they're in the top three in opponent yards allowed per play. They're top three there. They're top four in FPI. Penn State is probably going to move into my top five, for sure into my top six, because they're already at sixth, when I'm only a third of the way done with potential power and updating all of that. Uh, these are, there's an argument, there's a possibility, the potential, that these three teams in the Big Ten are the three best teams in all of college football. That's legitimate. Looking at their defense, looking at their um, offense, more so in the case of Michigan and the upside that Ohio State has, but I think Penn State's defense and special teams, special teams especially being better than the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes, can compensate for that. Uh, these are all near elite at worst, elite at best football teams. Um, and this game is going to you know, start, the, the wheels are going to start to spin because then we have Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, Michigan. And as of now, I've had, I've had it this way for the whole season. Penn State, for now, until Saturday, and the you know depending results, Penn State's third, Ohio State's second, Michigan's first. But 
That's just how it is right now. Um, I still have not made my prediction for this game, by the way. And part of it is because there are a lot of intriguing matchups. Um, in the same way that Penn State weirdly has been inefficient on offense, they've definitely regressed from last year, Ohio State has a very questionable pass rush. They only have 1.6 sacks per game, 95th nationally. They've been able to generate pressure often later in the game, reference back to the fact that Ohio State's a second-half team. But against Maryland and against Notre Dame, Ohio State, the reason they were able to stop quarterbacks and stop passing attacks more so had to do with their secondary than it had to do with their pass rush. Their defensive end play hasn't lived up to my expectations, and I'd say that's the worst unit on Ohio State's defense would be their defensive ends. Defensive tackles are elite, linebackers are elite, much like Penn State. The whole secondary is elite. Only difference in my mind between Ohio State's defense and Penn State's defense, well, there are two. Uh, Penn State's extremely aggressive. Ohio State sometimes is too conservative for its own good, but in the same way that Penn State's can be too aggressive for its own good. And their defensive lines are the inverse of each other. A Penn State has great defensive tackles. Ohio State has great defensive ends. And Ohio State has elite defensive tackles. And Penn State has elite defensive ends. That's just how I see it, though. The Buckeyes on the season defensively have been lightning fast. They don't give up big plays. They have five interceptions and four forced fumbles. They don't force as many turnovers or have as many highlight reel moments as Penn State's defense does. They also only have 10 sacks, but they have 27 passes defended, two pick sixes, and they've been tackling well. They play well in coverage. Denzel Burke has seven passes deflected, an interception, and a forced fumble. This team overall is doing, they're doing good. Uh, they impress me defensively. The pass rush is something to pay attention to in the same way as Penn State's total yards per play, but it just is what it is at this point, and Saturday is going to tell us a lot, as I've already said for the thousandth time. The strength for Ohio State is their elite defense, much like Penn State, but in a different sense, an elite upside in the passing offense. Ohio State's passing offense at times can look broken, other times, it looks just as flawless as 2021's and 2022's passing attacks were. Ohio State is fifth in points per play margin, with a 0.399 points per play margin. They're fourth in yards per point margin. They're tenth in points per play. They're 18th in yards per play. It's very interesting. Penn State is two spots behind Ohio State in points per play. There, I think I, Penn State is well ahead of Ohio State. Just a little brain fart there. In points per play margin, they're second, the Nittany Lions are, in yards per point margin. So they're ahead of Ohio State in a lot of these margin categories. And yet, they're about equal, a little behind in points per play, and equal and a little ahead in points per play margin. And then yards per play, Penn State just collapses. Meanwhile, Ohio State is, you know, still top 20 there. And a lot of that's the fact that Ohio State gets explosive plays. Um, they're very explosive. Marvin Harrison Jr. is averaging nearly 20 yards per reception, 19.5 to be specific. He has five receiving touchdowns. Ohio State overall is averaging 15.3 yards per reception. Penn State's averaging 10.7. 
And then Ohio State on the ground is averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Penn State's only averaging 4.6. So that differential there really explains the difference between yards per play for Ohio State and Penn State. And something else that's interesting is Penn State's more efficient in the red zone. Ohio State's good at getting chunk yards, chunk plays, and college football nerds talked about this. Their model predicts that Ohio State is going to have more yards, more big plays, and overall be the more efficient team in every category except the red zone, which is why the model picks Penn State to win, because they think the defense will force turnovers and the offense will be awesome at capitalizing off of them. Or maybe Penn State gets a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown. So Penn State has the edge in red zone efficiency, and I would say overall defensive efficiency. Where Ohio State has the edge is the fact that their upside compared to Penn State is limitless, just because of their talent and what we've seen on the field, period. Um, weaknesses for Ohio State are struggling on the offensive line and run, blo- run blocking and red zone efficiency. When you look at the talent that Penn State and Ohio State have, Penn State is, I mean, to be quite frank, both of these teams look more similar and different in terms of where I would rank them or power rate them personally. My model would digress. It thinks that Ohio State and Michigan, last time I checked, are in a tier of their own and Penn State is significantly lower, but still a top 10 team. Personally, Ohio State and Penn State right now look closer to me than, let's say, Ohio State and Michigan, or Penn State and Michigan. I think Michigan has a significant, and by significant I mean small, but still noticeable lead ahead of these two teams. Penn State has a lot less talent than Ohio State does by recruiting. Right now they're executing better. They're, they're, they have a better, they're better performing at the do-more-with-less portion of football more than Ohio State is. That's a weird way of putting it. They're being more efficient with the talent that they have. But Ohio State is the edge at raw upside. They have more players with X-factor potential. And this is shocking, controversial. I think Ohio State has the better pass defense. Um, Run defense, I don't know. I know that Penn State has the better pass rush, which is interesting. And Penn State... They were second in the nation in defensive passing efficiency last year. They're first right now. All I will say is Mecca Egbuka, Cade Stover, and Marvin Harrison Jr. torched that secondary last year on the road because that's Ohio State's upside. They have the upside in the passing attack, even with the worst quarterback right now, I think to tear any defense through the air more often than not, tear them apart, especially when... You factor in that Penn State plays an aggressive scheme, an aggressive scheme that is vulnerable to big plays if Ohio State can draw up the plays and execute on them to exploit that defense. So that's an interesting matchup. Penn State's passing offense versus or passing defense versus Ohio State's passing offense. And I think for Penn State is really it's short and intermediate yards versus the Buckeyes front seven. I think that's another fascinating matchup because I don't think Penn State's going to be able to pass for maybe longer than 10, 15, 20 yards on the pass defense that they're facing. I think if they win, it'll be through turnovers. It'll be through being efficient on defense like they have been all season long. And it will be running the ball in a 
better way than they have all year. And that's and that's possible given the fact that outside of Notre Dame, Penn State, I think, has the best rushing attack that Ohio State's faced all year. And I think that Penn State's rushing attack has a different element to it than Notre Dame's does. I think that Penn State has the better offensive coordinator than Notre Dame. I think that Penn State's offense has a greater upside and a greater amount of speed and athleticism than Notre Dame's offense. Well, Notre Dame's offense with, you know, Audric Estime and their tight ends and Sam Hartman is more power-oriented, more pro-style, more old-school type of offense. Penn State with Mike Yersich, they run the spread. They, you know, they utilize their tight ends much like Notre Dame, but they also have a wide receiver in Keandre Lambert-Smith, who I think is better than any wide receiver that Notre Dame has. And Nicholas Singleton is a speed element to him that I don't think Audric Estimate or anyone in Notre Dame's running back room has, at least in a refined way. But Singleton hasn't broken out yet. Allen's been the steady back. And Ohio State's front seven has been legit all year long. Their biggest concern being, well, their pass rush. But then again, Ohio State, their offensive tackle room is, I don't think it's going to match up well at all with Penn State's defensive end room. So a lot of fascinating and really intriguing matchups Saturday. I can't wait to do my full preview and prediction on this game tomorrow. But thank you so much for watching the video. I want to give a quick shout-out to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst and Noah DDLC, my All-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Noman, Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Remember to check out my Patreon via the link in the description if you want to join the community and help support the channel. Your support is always appreciated, and I thank you so much for watching this video and commenting your thoughts down below. Have a great day, guys.